Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. What I like most about history is learning all the local stories, and since I moved to Virginia, Patrick Henry is just everywhere. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Alexandra Griffith discussing Hanover County, Virginia, and Patrick Henry's legacy there, and she's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the Small Battle Series, with two new releases, The Battle of Musgrove's Mill, 1782, by John Buchanan, and The Battle of Harlem Heights, 1776, by David Price. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Alexandra Griffith, and she'll be discussing Patrick Henry's uh, looming legacy in Hanover County, Virginia. One of the great things about the Revolution, if you live on the East Coast, is that there's a really good chance that your hometown has some connection to it, or at least somewhere not far away. Its legacy, its footprint is wide, uh, and it touches all of our lives all the time, whether we realize it or not. Alexandra Griffith's Griffith's new article does a great job of of reinforcing that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Alexandra Griffith. Alexandra Griffith, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Brady. It's great to be here. Tell us about your background. I have been a lifelong history buff, especially for the Revolutionary War era. has always captivated me. And recently I decided to get my... uh, Master of Arts in American History, specifically focusing on the American Revolution. What first drew your interest into this topic? What I like most about history is learning all the local stories. And since I moved to Virginia, Patrick Henry is just everywhere. Like there's there's Patrick Henry Highway and Patrick Henry School and just. But I'm from originally from Missouri, so all I ever knew was you know liberty or death. And so I started reading more about him, and it's his entire life is just. Talk about Hanover County. What was it like in the 18th century? Uh, in the 18th century, Hanover County was very, very small. Um, the neighboring county of Henrico, which had Richmond in it, Richmond only had about 600 people, and Hanover was even smaller than that. <laughs> and really, it was developed, um, 1721 is when it was founded, specifically to bring in tobacco plantations and cultivation. So it was very, very agricultural, you know, large plantation base. Hanover County, or sorry, Hanover Courthouse was the largest town really in, in in the entire county. And that's where Patrick Henry spent a lot of his time. Alexandra, what was Patrick Henry's history with this region? Well, he was born in Hanover County in this little town called Studley. Um, he spent most of his childhood here. He spent most of his adult life here as well, especially as a lawyer and as a plantation owner. And he really only left the Hanover County area when he, during his terms as governor of Virginia when he was over in Williamsburg at the governor's mansion. He pretty much lived here his entire life. 
You list a lot of sites in your article. Tell us about the first one, the Pole Green Church. So when Virginia was founded as an English colony, of course, they everyone had to go to the Church of England or the Anglican Church. In 1743, the Governor's Council allowed for four churches that they called dissenter churches, three of which were in Hanover County and one of which was in neighboring uh, Henrico County. One of those dissenter churches was Pole Green Church, where the Reverend Samuel Davies came and preached for about 15 years. And he was a famous orator. He spent a lot of time during the French and Indian War convincing people to enlist in the militias. He was just famous for how well he could speak. Patrick Henry's mother attended church at Pole Green, and while Patrick Henry himself stayed true to the Anglican faith, he would go with to Pole Green with his mother for her worship services, and he would listen to Samuel Davies uh, speak. And that is actually where he learned how to become the orator that when he grew up to be a man, that he he adopted a lot of the techniques that Samuel Davies used. And uh, Patrick Henry himself said that Samuel Davis, Davies you know, taught him what an orator should be. So that's really where he learned how to speak as well and as eloquently as he does. What was Patrick Henry's history with the Hanover Tavern? So as a young mar- young adult, young married man, um, Patrick Henry married a woman named Sarah Shelton. And her father, John Shelton, actually owned Hanover Tavern for about 14 years from 1750 to 1764. And this is before Patrick Henry became a lawyer. He actually owned a store that went out of business within a year. So bankrupt and basically homeless, he and his wife moved into his father-in-law's tavern, Hanover Tavern, and he worked and lived there. It was there at Hanover Tavern that um, Patrick Henry really got working with the public. And one thing about Hanover Tavern is that it is very close to the Hanover County Courthouse. So everybody that came into the county seat to go to court would stop at the tavern And Patrick Henry started giving legal advice, you know, unsolicited to all these people in the bars as he's tending bar and playing fiddle and entertaining them. And so finally somebody was like, hey, you really shouldn't be practicing law without a law degree. And he was like, okay, I'll just go get a law license then. So it was in 1760, after spending a few years practicing law without a license at Hanover Tavern, that Patrick Henry went and got his law license. Alexandra, could you tell us about another location, St. John's Church? I actually stopped by there again today. Um, St. John's Church, the original building is still there from when it was built in uh, 1741, and then it was expanded a little bit in 1772. And it's been expanded several times since then. But at the time, uh, Lord Dunmore, the governor of Virginia, had disbanded the House of Burgesses and the Virginia capital was in Williamsburg over on the coast. So when the Second Virginia Convention met, they decided to meet in Richmond um, because that's about 50 miles from Williamsburg. That's far enough away to know if the British troops are coming to arrest them or anything like that. So this church was the largest building in town, which is where they, the convention met. And it's actually in that church that they debated – Patrick Henry's resolutions about the militia and raising the militia. Um, and it is there that he gave his, you know, famous give me liberty or give me death speech. And today you can actually go there and watch them reenact it. And um, 
hear an actor portraying Patrick Henry recite that entire speech. It's a pretty awesome experience. What was Scotchtown? What can we see there? Scotchtown is Patrick Henry's original house in Hanover County. Um, it was where he lived with his first wife, Sarah, and they had a number of children there. It was the first plantation that he owned. And it is actually still originally to how Patrick Henry had it when he lived there. Um, it's everything is original. It's the only, uh, it's the only structure of Patrick Henry's that has not been modified since he lived there. Um, you can do tours there. They've got the grounds. It's, it's a really cool place just to kind of learn about his home life and his life outside of, you know, what he's famous for is as speaking and being a lawyer. Because he was a plantation owner. He had, I think, 17 children. So, Alexandra, you read about a place called Red Hill. Tell us about that. So when uh, he bought Red Hill in 1794, and that was the last plantation that he lived on, it is much, much larger than Scotchtown was. His first wife, Sarah, ended up going insane and dying at Scotchtown. And then later he met a woman named Dorothea, and when he decided to get married to Dorothea, they didn't want to live in Scotchtown anymore. It's kind of a, you know, let's let's go have a home of our own. Um, so they ended up moving to Red Hill, and that stayed in his family. That was passed down to multiple descendants of Patrick Henry throughout the years. So the house, they have restored it to how it was when Patrick Henry lived there, but subsequent generations of his of his descendants had rebuilt it and modified it. So it's it's as close as they think they can get. It does have his original law office there and stables and um, various outbuildings like kitchens and such that is all open to the public. Um, that is also where Patrick Henry died. And so his gravestone, his tomb next to his wife, Dorothea, is there at Red Hill in the family cemetery. How does this article help us understand the revolutionary era better? Sometimes when we study history, we put these historical figures up on pedestals where they become almost superhuman or inhuman where you can't really relate to them. You know, just saying that Patrick Henry, um, you know, all he ever did was say, give me liberty or give me death is just a fraction of who he was as a man, as a lawyer, as an orator, as a father, as a husband, everything that he did. Um, I mean, he's also the governor of Virginia for five terms. He did so much more beyond what most people understand about him. And I think that having a better picture of who these people are really helps us understand the revolutionary era better, era better because they were just everyday people just living their lives the same as we all do, but they rose to the occasion to try to make things better, to try to make a difference in the world. And I think that's something really important that people need to be able to see and understand that, you know, they were just humans that stepped up. Alexandra Griffith, thanks again. Thank you so much, Brady. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.